keep Rayman Digital on the air by pledging to our Patreon page. Uh, your continued support allows us to continue to make great content and offer even better features in the future. Help us keep the lights on in the studio by pledging one to ten dollars a month. Go to patreon.com slash Rainman Digital to pledge. Warning from the back to tank contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue. We would be honored if you would join us. Workups on your condition indicate that all damage has been reversed. Recovery is total. I believe you have been quite fortunate. No further thanks are necessary, Commander, but you are most welcome. It is my function and pleasure as a medical droid to help and heal human beings. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Hello, welcome everyone to Star Wars From the Back to Tank, the Bad Batch edition. I am Michael, your host, and today is the entire team. David, hello, Dave. How's it going, everybody? And Lauren, hello. Hello. All right, so today we're going to discuss and break down episode 11 of the first season of Bad Batch titled Devil's Deal. And yes, it was a devil's deal. Directed by Stuart Lee and written by Tamara Betcher. All right, so some mixed feelings with this episode, it seems, amongst the group. Uh, this episode shifted perspective and focused on the problems on Ryloth, where we see a few familiar faces. It was fun to see the Sindulas and, of course, Hera and Chopper. That was Chopper. a... I yeah. love Chopper. I, I swear that he is still saying what the fuck. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Whenever you hear him, it's that iconic, like scattered noise. He's he saying makes. fuck. I don't care what Disney says. <laughs> no, they probably totally don't is. know it. They probably don't know it. But I remember the very first episode he was introduced in Rebels. We all looked at each other when we walked into the studio. Chopper was saying fuck and fuck you <laughs> and what the fuck wasn't it? <laughs> yes. Dude, oh, yeah. especially in this one, I mean, the interaction with him and Hera, so when good. Hera goes off and does something, automatically he does the sound. I'm like going, it's subtitled in my brain. What the fuck? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's everything Chopper says is always subtitled to me. Like, whether it is or not, it's always subtitled. <laughs> yeah. Actually, actually, here's a here's a little surprise. See? What the fuck? <laughs> ah, what the fuck? I have a little chopper he, at my desk. <laughs> Chopper's the best. He is one of my favorite droids. I was hoping when Rebels ended that it wouldn't be the end of him. I was hoping they didn't kill him off, you know, in some way to give us this emotional, you know, send off. I mean, they did that with other characters. Please don't do that with Chopper. And so far, so good. He was even in New Hope era. <laughs> so we know that he survives for quite some time. Yes. So it was an unexpected approach and the ways of, you know, story. I didn't expect the narrative to veer so heavily into the bigger story of Star Wars. I'm not always a fan of those perspective switches in the middle of a season. It feels uncomfortable as a viewer. But this one worked out for me eventually by the end for a few reasons that I'll get to in a moment. 
but I want to hear from each of you first before we move forward. How did you feel about that perspective switch? Uh, Lauren, why don't you start? I, I can't lie to you. It didn't bother me very much. If I'm looking at it from a perspective of um, just actually critiquing the episode and the season and stuff like that, like, yeah, it's not the best because it is the Bad Batch and we didn't get very much Bad Batch. I could have used some more of them, but I, God, I'm not going to lie. I was distracted by the mm-hmm. the shiny fan service that was like, <laughs> as as soon as we were on Ryloth, I was like, oh, that's that's Hera's mom. I know that's yeah. Hera's mom. Like, ain't no way that that looks that much like Hera without being Hera. It's her mom. And then they were yeah. like, yeah, Syndulla, what do you think? So I, I can't lie to you. I was... I was so distracted, exactly what they wanted. You know, I was so enveloped in the fan service of it all. Um, the excitement of seeing young Hera and really getting backstory on what went down with her parents mm-hmm. uh, when the Empire took over. And then Chopper, because Chopper is the best boy. <laughs> <laughs> he is. I love him. Yeah. I love him to death. Chopper is like my favorite thing ever. <laughs> yeah, he's a good character. Uh, David, what about you? It did it did bother me about the perspective change because just like what Lauren said, it's called the Bad Batch. So and we only got like under three minutes of Bad Batch right. of, of those characters. However, about midway through the episode, I'd started basically uh growing on me because at the end of the day they still stuck to an overall narrative that they're doing in Bad Batch, which is showing what the empire is doing with, you know, taking over everything and all these planets falling to them because either a, they fall for the propaganda, B they're forced into it. Or like in, in this, in this regard, they show another side of where general Sandula feels an obligation to follow the empire because of what happened in the clone wars. And of course, if like for clone war fans, everyone knows that, the, cl- the the clones, the Republic, came to Ryloth to s- save them from the Separatist. Right. And that's why Hera's father is so uh, loyal to the clones. Not not to the Republic, but to the clones because right. they they helped him when they when they were at their lowest. So it, it, it started growing on me seeing that, okay, they're trying to really continue that narrative that showing how easy it was for the empire to take control. Yeah. The thematics were consistent with everything bad batch. And I think ultimately that's probably why I'm okay with it. And I am in, I'm in both camps from a critical standpoint. It just rubs me the wrong way because that's dangerous territory because of all the television I've watched throughout my lifetime. It's a red flag. Right. But from a fan perspective or the, from the fan side of things, I fucking loved it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I I thought it was fantastic. Um, the Clone Wars did this a lot, and I never questioned it in Clone Wars because it was built into the DNA of the show from the very beginning. The concept of the series was built on mini arcs, whether they be grand in scale or solely character driven. And we would spend a few episodes with miscellaneous characters throughout this era known as the Clone Wars. So it never raised any red flags. But with a show titled Bad Batch, there's a focus concept pre-built in. And the fact that we saw the Bad Batch all of a few seconds could be considered a red flag, as you said, David. Yeah. Uh, typically, a show that does this or does something like this is in its 
and it's in its first season on the 11th episode, it signals that the series writers can't focus on what they should be writing about. Mm -hmm. However, you could argue that all of this episode, setting aside the bigger story aspect, is about informing the audience of what is happening just outside the peripheral of the Bad Batch crew. Yeah. It builds suspense because we know that they are trying to evade numerous parties, including drawing attention to themselves in general. Uh, it shows us that the deck is stacked against them. So looking at it from that side of things as well, you can possibly justify, well, this is all about laying down that foundation so that we understand really what the Bad Batch is up against. Yeah, And it goes right back to that David and Goliath, you know, allegory. These are a group of five people who are tiny in the grand scale of things when they're up against the the empire and all the unknowns, all the question marks. And ultimately, that's the most interesting thing about this show mm-hmm. is the question marks. We don't know how a lot of these, these things came about. We know how things started. We know how things end. But what is happening in between this? What is that after? What, what's happening within the aftermath of the fall of the Republic within a matter of months? So the fact that they're using this episode to pretty much create that consistency across the board, I have no problem with that. But there could be even more to this approach the writers took this week, which is even more appropriate when considering the overall narration or the manner in which they are telling the story. We know that the show is about the Bad Batch and Omega, and they, by default, are part of the story. Yes. The story of the post-Republic clones is also included in this. This is part of their story and how the inhibitor chip affects them and their judgment and the aspects pertaining to Hauser. Oh, yeah. Yeah. was very telling. That was That was actually one of my favorite moments, too, in the episode was... The introduction of Hauser as one of the clones, and yes, it's a brand new clone, but he represents everything of the old guard that is connected to General Sindula. Okay, well, let's clarify. He's a new clone, meaning a new character. New character. But he's a veteran. Yeah. 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 He's a veteran. He's an old reg. <clears throat> they even, yeah. like, uh, it was funny because they covered up his appearance in this one because they let his figure out in the Black Series figure ahead of time, but they had to give him a different code name. So in the Black Series figures that they released, I think, uh, two weeks ago, about two or three weeks ago, mm-hmm. uh, he his code name is Ballast. Okay. So how, you knew somebody was coming. I knew. Yeah, because okay. like, you get that special clone in the Bad Batch. Well, hold on then, Dave. You're getting me way too excited now. So there was a toy that is Hauser that was yeah. released. Okay. So they're not going to make a toy out of some rando scrub character. Oh, especially uh-huh. since it comes in the box set of the, of, of the bad batch because, okay. So, so, so th- I'm picking up on the right things then because they're obviously doing something with this character. That's not just going to be a one and done. I'm going to make a few uncomfortable glances here and a few looks over here to make sure people know I'm not happy with this because not only that, there's a lot going on here, and that's why ultimately by the end of the episode, I didn't mind the perspective switch from either a Star Wars fan perspective or even a critical standpoint because story is about the inhibitor chip in a lot of ways. Yes. Right? In this post- Oh, absolutely. All the Republic era. We're going into those avenues of what exactly the inhibitor chip does. It's still a bit ambiguous in some regard when it comes to how they truly act when it 
how they truly act outside of the military side. Yes, we know. Kill Jedi. They're evil. Good soldiers follow orders. But it seems like Hauser still has his personality. He's not overly agreeable when it comes to imperial rule. And perhaps that has to do with the years of rapport with Cham. Is it yeah. Cham? Yeah, it's Cham. With, it's with uh, General Sindula. Yeah. And that's where my interest lies. What are they saying here? Is Hauser affected differently? Is this more of what we've seen crosshair? You know, following orders doesn't necessarily mean they like or agree with it. And they're essentially trapped in this weird existential prison that they can't break free from, even though they know what they're doing may not be right, but I have to follow orders because that again sends us into this very dark storyline for star Wars. Well, remember in the two episodes ago when they, when Wrecker got cured of the inhibitor chip, he tells Omega, he knew, he knew what he was doing. He just couldn't stop himself. And that's what, that's what disturbed him the most was the fact that, I'm doing these things that I don't want to do, but I'm still doing them. But you regardless. notice, but you notice that all of them kind of lose their shit as well so far. Like Crosshair is a sociopath at this point. You know, <laughs> yes. Wrecker, Wrecker was a murderer. Like he was going to go murder Omega. He may not have wanted to in his mind, but he was going to. He was out of control. Yeah, Hauser is in control. That's why it's even more intriguing. He's not. losing his shit like we've seen some of these other clones when they're being forced to do something he is very overtly showing he doesn't like what happened and when rampart created this entire assassination scheme to make you know ryloth essentially in, in his hopes that ryloth is going to turn against cham for murdering the rightful senator hauser did not enjoy that in fact, you can tell he was going to, it looked like he was going to say something, right? Yeah. He spoke up when, when Hera was, you know, getting basically arrested. I was like, she's exactly. just a kid. Like there, there's, there's something there with him. That's not like most of the other clones that we're seeing. Right. Because that's a great point, Warren, because Hauser said she's a kid. Crosshair and Wrecker didn't care. Yeah. Crosshair and her. <laughs> they both tried to kill Omega. Yep. And she's a kid. So there is something different there. It, it goes back to like the whole where the whole series began, because remember, Hunter wouldn't kill the the Padawan because why? He was a kid. Right. But like Crosshair kept telling him good soldiers follow orders, though. Exactly. And that's why by con- when you're contrasting the two of these characters or Hauser with all the other clones so far that have succumbed to the inhibitor chip, there seems to be a very clear distinction. Yeah, there's a variety of like emotions that are going going around when it comes to the actual clones yeah so perhaps we'll find out exactly i have to hope and imagine that you don't set things up the way they did with hauser and allude to the things that we're talking about in such a way that they don't go back to it and it also has to come right back has to circle back to one of the biggest um aspects of this show so far, which is that inhibitor chip. Yes. It goes right back to that. So I'm hoping that is where we're going. And if that is in fact something that will be a bigger detail down the road, then suddenly this episode having that perspective switch doesn't necessarily bother me because now we know that 
possibly the show is not just obviously we know the show is about the bad batch right that's a given yes but it's about so much more than that the things have introduced so far and if we're going to the territories as i have been begging and pleading that we do if we're going to the territories of the inhibitor chip then all of this makes sense yes all right so rampart is not just another <laughs> imperial officer he seems to be one of the clever ones because we've had we 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 never get a guy who's just semi-capable <laughs> we either get a, a complete buffoon who's in charge or we get someone who is on his his a game his a game yeah and that was something that i feel like we did need to do with this show rampart is you know i know you mentioned dave a few episodes ago that there really isn't a an antagonist yeah rampart is probably you had to shove someone into there that's that's tangible not just situational i would probably say it is rampart at this point and if we're going to believe he offers some threat he's got to be one of the clever ones yeah i mean like the the thing is is like at this point with rampart you have to differentiate him from a character like tarkin right yep and to me in this episode rampart kind of became more of like a uh, almost like a corporate villain you know, he's a schemer. He he's constantly thinking, and he has his plans that he's he's going to um, produce. And I th- I honestly think that this in this episode, this is probably the most we've ever seen out of Rampart. Oh yeah, and getting more character development on him to become a villain. Well, before I think when he was side by side Tarkin, he came off more as an opportunist someone that's trying to win favor which we all know that is all imperials like every (laughs) single leader is that's all they're trying to do is impress the emperor and you know get it up to that next level of power so to see him be more than just a sleazy opportunist and actually say okay well this guy's actually an even greater threat because he's also actually smart he's a little he's a bit cunning here he's a bit cunning yeah so but as i said as long as they differentiate him away from other characters like a tarkin and get away from the mold of constantly making the imperial officers really british and smart and over (laughs) intelligent well if you have a british accent you're just automatically smarter that's just how it is david (laughs) that's just how it is you're also evil because that's every imperial (laughs) (laughs) that's true so i feel like rampart is gonna be one of those characters that is forever remembered in Star Wars because... Oh, yeah. Okay, so let me backtrack just a bit. This this takes me back momentarily to Hauser. We know the troops are programmed to carry out orders. Yes. Okay. We already know that he... It seems, it appears, it, it doesn't sit well with him, what he did, what Rampart did. So how far does this programming go? Now, we also know that Rampart, and a reason why I reiterate that is because we also know that Rampart is supposed to um, prove that human conscripted troops are better, correct? Is that what he was trying yes. to do? Yeah, the, the clones are basically obsolete. Right. So I have a feeling that with Hauser saying or voicing some complaints, this may be the, the beginning of the end for them. Rampart might be the actual person who's responsible for eliminating the clones completely and decommissioning them yes. and doing whatever they're going to do. I don't feel like they're going to just let them retire and go off to the sunset. <laughs> no, I have no. a feeling yeah, that no. mass genocide is going to be involved with this. No, they know too much. 
Yeah, exactly. And that's what I'm thinking. I'm wondering if Rampart is going to be that one character that we all hate because he's the one responsible for just murdering. Murdering all, all the, clones. the clones. Yeah. And dude, if, if that one part where he basically tells the center, well, thank you, Sander, but you've outlived your <laughs> you, you've outlived your usefulness. And he gives the signal really quick. Yeah. And Crosshair's just basically bullseyes him on the side of the head and rampart does it just so coldly david cross hair cross hair singular <laughs> hair <laughs> but the that moment is the one moment that i basically say we get to see more of rampart being a villain yeah. a true villain well what a way to reintroduce him to us because that was one of the most violent scenes <laughs> It was. Crosshair shot the dude straight in the dome. Yes. And we saw blue blood spray. Yes. Dude, that was probably. That, we don't see that. No. That, never. The closest thing. Do you realize the closest uh, closest scene we've ever got to like that was in the beginning of Rebels. Remember when the first Inquisitor shows up and he just <laughs> beheads the two. And then Tarkin gives him the signal and he just beheads the two dimwits yeah. in front of everybody. And then like everyone's like all in shock and like the Inquisitor is like done and then walks out the room. That was like that scene. Yeah. See, okay. Yes. I remember talking about that where he killed those Imperial buffoons for, <laughs> failing. Buffoons for failing. I do remember that scene, but we also didn't see it. It was implied and the way they, they did it, it was still dark as fuck. But this, we actually saw someone's head get shot and blue blood sprays. <laughs> and I'm not one for gore. I'm not one advocating that. Yeah, Star Wars needs to be more violent. But we know that if Filoni and his team is putting something like that into the show, it's not so that you, he can satiate some bloodlust. It's for story purposes. Yes. And it's about Rampart. And that's why it makes me a little nervous that this character is going to end up being a real asshole that we're going to remember for a long time. I hope so. I hope so. I hope so, too. The, the one thing I've been waiting for in Bad Batch is a villain that I love. Love to hate. Love to hate. Yes. Because like every single Star Wars series that me and you have covered up to this point, you have those villains that you just love to hate, whether it's in Rebels when you get Thrawn. Who, who I just is, love him. I don't. That was him. just awesome. I would join him. But on top of on top of that, you have the one general that was underneath neath him. The the one female general that gets blown up in the end. Uh, she's hot. That was she was cool. She was bloodthirsty, but she was cool. <laughs> uh, Amanda Price. Amanda Price. Yeah. That's right. And then, uh, but that's what this series. Like why I've told you in the last episode, I was like going. There's not a big bad yet that we introduce that we say okay. He's the guy that basically we love to hate. Yeah. Well, listen, they're they're revving up the engines. They're revving up the engines. Him, uh, uh, Rampart and Crosshair could be an absolute cool dynamic duo. So, have you given up on rescuing Crosshair? At this point, I'm gonna say yes. Really? Yeah. You because have, you've lost hope. He's so far gone at this point. Just that. Give him one. He he he's willing to do whatever they tell him at this point. All he needs is one karate chop to the dome and he's yeah. fine. Karate chop to the dome. <laughs> and then Tarkin chops him on the other side and he comes back to being bad. <laughs> just a battle of like yeah, just smacking him in the in the head. In the head. <laughs> That's so stupid. 
Yeah. <laughs> I can actually visualize that. <laughs> I oh. just I, I don't think he's I don't think he's necessarily like willing to do whatever because he agrees with it. I mean, you know that they tampered with his chip. They showed that they specifically took him and enhanced um the I don't know, I guess chip. like the power of the chip, you know? Yeah. They they like oh, that's right. that signal. I forgot you're right. I okay. And that's probably why he's extra socio sociopathy. <laughs> yeah, that's why he's so cold. Extra yeah. cold. But that's why yeah. that's why I also say is like I think he at this point he's too far gone. Because the nah, the chip boys is just so... gotta knock him out and then take yeah, him see? and, and <laughs> forcibly remove his chip. That's it. They yeah, you can tell Lorna and I don't. We don't want him to be bad. Come on, he's got to. He's got to be rescued by the end. That's such a think, sad story. It, I, yeah, it is. I don't think it's going to happen this season. I don't. I think that's like a later down the line thing. Yeah, I agree. We have five episodes left, and to throw that in amongst this giant mountain we're climbing right now, have we even hit the peak yet of this season? It I seems don't think so. It seems it like we're still like crawling up that hill. Yeah. I, I get the feeling that we might start to hit that next week. I think next episode might be like reaching the peak because the way that this episode went and the way it left off, I mean, yes, it was a little bit of a cliffhanger for Hera's story, you know, a, a little bit of like a, ooh, she's on the run. She's alone now. But it's really like, okay, Ryloth has basically fallen at this point. Yeah. The Empire's in complete control. And... We've got this clone there that, you know, there's obviously more going on. I feel like we're going to see more of Ryloth. I feel like Chopper's going to find a way to get a signal out to someone or something. And the Bad Batch is probably going to come back, come back to Ryloth. Maybe they talk to Hauser. I don't know. Like, we'll, we'll see. But it seems like something bigger is at play on Ryloth here. Yeah, I agree. And we know there's what uh four episodes left and that's that's the felony special right there yes it is oh i have four episodes left all right <laughs> time Let's to make, make people time to make people get emotional he does he does this year after year on every show he, he works he on so you're right lauren i think i think we're gonna hit it soon probably next episode so this was one of those episodes speaking of felony this is one of the episodes of Filoni's that is a major chapter in the ever evolving Star Wars world. And that's another thing that I can take away as a Star Wars fan, that this is much bigger than the Bad Batch. And I like that we're getting to see Filoni do what Filoni does best. And we made jokes about this several episodes ago, like about people keep you know, campaigning Filoni. When are you, you <laughs> going to take over the Star Wars universe? When are you going to be in charge? And let me present this episode again. He is in charge. He is in charge. He is literally laying down the groundwork for all aspects of Star Wars. How many different things did he connect in this episode? Oh yeah. Did you, did you actually see that? There's just so much. This is like one of those Nexus episodes. It just brings so many elements that we've seen throughout the years together. You know, some of them, maybe just some icing on the cake, maybe a reminder, some fan service, but then we also have those very relevant storylines and we get a snapshot of the galaxy where, mm -hmm. it, where it all is at currently in this aftermath. So 
I I love the episode, uh, the animation and the overall compositions in this episode is also a testament to Lucasfilm's animation department and oh, how yeah. much they've grown over the years under Filoni's leadership. Well, dude, you know what the funny part is? Name me one other person behind the scenes in Star uh, Star Wars, their creative group, that has their own freaking figure coming out. I don't know if you saw that. Lucas does. It's a bootleg. <laughs> no, but officially, <laughs> Dave Filoni is having his Black Series figure coming out. Yeah. What? No one else has their own Black Series figure. <laughs> Does he have what? a laser? Yeah, he's coming out as his, uh, dressed as his uh, Mandalorian oh, is character. This one, is this God. one of your, okay, are you sure, or is this one of those, Positive. we got it's, this covered it, bullshit okay, articles? Nope. This was announced on Hasbro Pulse, and th- that's the only way to get the figure. It's a special ordered figure, kind of like for their Comic-Con type th- situation. And it's yeah. later on in winter. And it's going to be released. It's basically Dave Filoni as his character from Mandalorian for a yeah, limited time. I'm, does he come with cowboy boots and a hat? God, dude, I no. hope so. <laughs> I hope you can take <laughs> he, off his hat. He, cool. he comes dressed in the X-Wing, X-Wing pilot outfit. Oh, because he was in Mandalorian. He was okay. in Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah. I, I, but I everyone, thought we were everyone, being meta with this. I thought it was actually Dave Filoni, Dave Filoni. Well, like, everyone I mean, says they don't know what accessories it comes with. Because oh, I see. I see the box it, you see the here. head sculpt. Yeah, you have you have the, his head sculpt, and a lot of people are saying, "Oh, <laughs> they'll give it a cowboy hat. <laughs> they'll give there's, it a blaster." There's and, a picture and, of the packaging fully open, so you can see the you can see the accessories it comes with. Okay, it comes with uh, the head of <laughs> Kathleen Kennedy. <laughs> Yeah, um, the George Lucas Bible, uh-huh. <laughs> the love letter to George Lucas. All it's right, silly. so we got a- it's just a rifle and a helmet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so setting aside, you know, being a lot of you know there being a lot of Star Wars fan moments, the animation and the overall compositions in the episode is just it's it just. It's more of a testament to Lucasfilm's animation department, how much they've grown over the, over the years under Filoni's leadership and setting aside, you know, being a Star Wars fan for a moment. There's a cinematic appeal that speaks to my inner film fan as well. I mean, the color palette meshes with the character designs, the vibrant tones of Ryloth slightly being muted to fit the tone of the episode. There is just a lot of artistry that is being put into this episode as well. Oh, yeah. And because of that, I'm going to give this episode the highest percentage to date. Are At you? 92%. Oh, I thought you were going to go really high. <laughs> no, that's the highest I've gone, though. <laughs> that is that is really high, yeah. All right, so keep it short and sweet. Lauren, go. Oh, man, I feel like I'm never ready for this. Uh, I don't know why I do it every <laughs> week. But <laughs> I think... Um, I think this episode really surprised me in the way that it was able to give me something that was really meaty and fleshed out, um, despite the fact that it pulled away from the Bad Batch a lot this week. Um, It just leads me to believe that it is setting up something big and we're about to hit the stride of the season and we're we're about to have um, some some tears shed and some minds blown. So, That's what I'm waiting for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, but you know what? I I gotta say, a lot of my uh, enjoyment of this episode was also just pure fan service and just happiness to see Rebels characters um, in in a different light and in a different way. So, I I actually I was I was so happy through this episode. I'm gonna give it a 94. 
Oh, wow. this is your highest score as well. Mm-hmm. It was it was really good. It was it had a it lot was. of actual story building stuff, but yep, it also was really fan servicey. Can't complain. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Dave, go ahead. Um, I'm gonna actually go on the same boat as you guys. I mean, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of things to take away in this episode, even though they stepped away from the Bad Batch. So I definitely think it was a really strong episode, probably one of the strongest to date. It just has that one problem that me and you have discussed in the beginning, Mike, about like switching perspective. It's a red flag. It's something that we all constantly are afraid of TV shows doing. But do you think with Filoni, we have to worry about that, though? That is the trump card to that. Yeah. I, in Filoni, I trust. Yeah. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm actually uh, I'm actually going to give this episode a 95. Uh, I'm, I was really happy with it. The, uh, the, you one up son of a bitch, <laughs> the, well, it's the possibilities now that are in my head that they're going to go with, especially where they left off with Hera in the very end where we, now she's on her own. She's on the run with chopper. How does she get off of Ryloth? And then automatically I'm like going, are we going to see Kanan again? Because the whole point of this was to actually see the origin of Hera. And yeah. if we're going to see the origin of Hera, we do you think Filoni would actually go that far to show this is how Hera and Kanan got together prior to the book? The book was the first time they met. So they can't no, do I could have sworn they knew they no, knew each other. At never knew each other. No, it was uh, that book was meant to bring them all together. Even though all of them weren't together, but at least those two. But still, but more importantly, Dave, I'm hoping we see more of Hera's mother because uh, <laughs> she is uh, she is pretty spicy. Not She's gonna, gonna lie. die. Oh, how <laughs> dare you, die. David? He's gonna die. Champ, champ. I'm gonna. It's gonna be Rampart. He's gonna like <laughs> exactly. Just, you want you uh, want Rampart to be hated? He's gonna kill everybody on Ryloth. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what if it is him? Holy shit! Yeah. That'd be awful. I'm telling you right now, Ryloth is going to be massacred. All right. Well, we'll see. I want to thank everyone for listening. Thank you, David and Lauren. Thank you. Thank you. May the force be with us. Ah, yes.